In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who has come to us in this way. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this whole Holy Week, we're talking about the heart. And the way that we're talking about the heart is that we see this Holy Week. We see the events of this Holy Week as the heart of what it means to be the body of Christ. That this entire year we're talking about what it means for us to acknowledge, to identify with that promise that we find in Scripture that because of our baptisms, because of our inclusion into God's kingdom through His grace, that we are somehow mystically transformed into the body of Christ. That not any one individual of us is the body of Christ, but that us together, all Christians, all those who believe in Christ, are the body of Christ together because of what He did in the days that we are memorializing once again this year, this Holy Week. And that forms the heart of what it means for us to be that body. And if you're used to being here at University Lutheran, you know that on the front of the bulletin there is usually the image or the logo that goes along with the sermon series title. And if you look at the front of your bulletin, you'll see that. It says the heart, Holy Week, has the four days there. And the thing about the heart picture that's on there is that it's not, well, the heart that you're used to seeing, right? The heart that you're used to seeing is, well, kind of different. It's sort of a Valentine's Day thing. It's got the two bumps and then the point at the bottom, And you kind of wonder, okay, well, how did that become the heart? Because we know what a heart looks like. We know that a heart, well, it doesn't really look much like that. I mean, if you kind of turn it and twist it a little bit, you can kind of get it to look like maybe a distant cousin to that thing that we give to one another on Valentine's Day. But the real heart, the heart that is beating in your chest right now, doesn't look like that Valentine's Day card. It looks different. And to some of us, it looks kind of, well, gruesome. It looks like something that we're, we're not quite sure we want to see on the front of our bulletin. Maybe it'd be nicer if we just had a Valentine's Day heart there instead. But in a lot of ways, that heart mimics this heart. Because just as some people want to hide their eyes from that heart that is on the front of our bulletin, some people want to hide their eyes from this heart that stands before us. Some of us even want to perhaps stand a little bit further away from this heart of what it means to be a Christian. Some of us, when we came up here with our nails, perhaps we're suddenly 
shocked and compelled by this image that was before you and by the image of your own hand taking a nail into your hand and saying, I'm going to knock this into this cross. It's a somewhat shocking image. And it's supposed to be a shocking image. That's the whole idea behind this heart, is that this heart kind of works as a defibrillator. That what it does is it shocks our hearts into beating all over again. It gives us what we need. But what we need oftentimes isn't what we want. And that's certainly the case with the cross. Because the cross reminds us of what Christ had to do because of our sins. The cross reminds us of what He had to pay on our behalf. It's not a pretty image. It's an image that is realistically somewhat grotesque. Which interestingly, seems to be the exact way that Isaiah, some 750 years before the Messiah actually came, described this Messiah coming into the world. That Isaiah saw in his mind's eye somehow this Jesus Christ who was to be crucified and said this about him, said that He had no beauty that we should desire Him. No majesty that we should look to Him. He was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He was despised and rejected by men. He was one from whom men hid their faces. And then again in Psalm 31, we hear from the psalmist there, Again, sort of echoing the words of our Lord. In fact, those words that are printed in Psalm 31, we know are some of the words that Jesus spoke from the cross, possibly reciting beloved psalms to himself as he was sitting on that cross. Hands stretched out open wide, beginning to asphyxiate comforting himself with the words of Scripture. It's something that we want to turn our eyes from. and In a lot of ways, it's something that makes it a little bit hard for us to really grapple with our own belief. I mean, if you really think about it, isn't this a weird thing to believe? Isn't this a strange thing to believe? That we believe that somehow that there was a Jewish carpenter turned rabbi who was crucified, put to death as a criminal by Romans, and that when he was crucified, that that paid for our sins. That when he was crucified, when his blood was spilt all over the cross and all over the ground before that cross, that somehow that is what saves us. That is what gives us eternal life. That is what makes us God's body. 
I mean, it's easy to believe in a God, right? In a lot of ways, believing in a God is, well, kind of easier than not believing in a God. But to believe in a God who's crucified, well, that's maybe a little bit more difficult than even not believing in a God. Maybe it's easier to be an atheist. Because this is tough to believe. This we want to shield our eyes from. Because this is something that is so shocking. It just doesn't seem like it should work, right? Allison Monroe was a doctor here in the United States who did mission trips in Africa, and she ended up going to the African country of Zimbabwe. And while she was there, she was dealing with a lot of kids that had uh, issues with dehydration. There was a, an issue with water in that country at the time. And while she was there, she was dealing with a lot of kids that had dehydration issues. And one of the things that happened to these children as they were dehydrated was that in, in their skulls, they would actually develop a, a little sort of divot, a little sort of hole, because they were dehydrated. And, and, and so she said, you know, the thing that we need to do is we need to get you hydrated. We need to get fluids in you. We need to get you the stuff that's going to push that out. But the way that we're going to do that is just by giving you water, just by giving you Pedialyte, just by giving you the stuff that you need. But their parents wouldn't believe that. Because that didn't seem like it would work. It didn't seem like there was anything on the outside of that appearance that would make that work. And so what she said was this. She said, well, okay, I tell you what. You keep on giving them water to drink. And I'm going to take some of my medicine, which was bright pink, Pepto-Bismol. I'm going to take some of my medicine and I'm going to rub it over that spot on their heads so that you know that, that this is working. But you have to, I'm not going to do it unless you're giving them enough water to drink, unless you're giving them this Pedialyte to drink. And so all of the parents, of course, I want to get that stuff on my kid's head because that is the stuff that is going to save my kid. That is the stuff that's going to make them better. It's not this silly water. American doctors don't know what they're talking about. And so sure enough, they gave their kids the water. She spread the pe Pepto-Bismol on their heads and that divot disappeared. And sometimes I think there's stuff that we're rubbing on our heads and on our bodies because those are the things that we think are working. Those are the things that we think are, are saving us. Surely it's not something as silly as a cross. 
No, no, it has to be something else. It has to be something like my beauty. And so that's why, you know, we're, we're in love with our Instagram accounts and our Snapchat filters and all of these things. Or, or maybe it's, it's how much money I have. And that's why we're in love with telling people how much we make or at least trying to make as much as we can. Or maybe it's the power and the position that I have. Or maybe it's the relationship that I have. Or maybe it's something else. Surely those are the things that are going to save me. Those are the things that are going to give my life worth and meaning. Those are the things that are going to give me security and identity. But God says, no. It's this. It's this. This cross that we turn our heads away from. And say, surely that couldn't be it. That's too gruesome. That's too grotesque. It surely couldn't be that. As people looked up as Jesus was dying on that cross, and he had that inscription above his cross that said that he was the king of Jews. They said, surely not. That's no king. That's... That's too grotesque. That's, that's too difficult to comprehend. That can't be the thing that makes us God's children. That can't be the leader that we're waiting for. That can't be the one who is going to set us free from our sins and from our slavery and from all of the evil things that we do to one another. Because at some level... As we look at the cross, we see a reflection of God, yes, but we also see a reflection of mankind. I mean, in a lot of ways, when we look at the cross, we see that reflection of mankind that we don't want to see ourselves. We don't want this to be what God is saying about us. But in a lot of ways, this is the perfect picture of what mankind looks like. What is mankind? Well, mankind is this. A perfect human being came down from God, was born and raised sinlessly, came and spoke a message of love and righteousness to everybody around him. And what did we do? What did we do as human beings? We nailed him to a cross. But in that, in that nailing him to a cross, God had a plan. It's how this Isaiah reading ends. That God's plan was to put all of our sins upon him. That God's plan was to make this the thing that finally we could believe. And exactly because it is such a shocking thing. Exactly because we are tempted to turn our faces from it. Because God wants to call us into a loving relationship with himself. And you can't be in a loving relationship unless you have the freedom to say, I don't want that. 
And so God sets this cross up before us. He sets up this cross almost as if to say, look, if you don't want any part of me, then here it is. Here's your excuse. Here's what you can say. You can say, I can't believe in a God who would be crucified for me. I can't believe in something that is that grotesque, in something that is that shocking, in something that is that stark. But sometimes you believe in something even though it doesn't make sense. Sometimes that Holy Spirit, he grabs a hold of that heart that is beating inside of you right now and he wrenches it. And he says, this is true. You may not want to look at it. You may be so afraid when you look at the nails in this cross. You may wonder what it means that God allowed this to happen. But somewhere deep down inside you, you know that there is truth here. And if this is true, then amazing things follow. Amazing things like Jesus going into the place of the dead, into Sheol, into hell, and saying, I won. I saved them. Coming out of that tomb and announcing his new life and our new life along with that. And so while this may be shocking, and while this may be difficult to look at, if you do look at it, and if you allow that spirit to work on your heart, and to wrench it, and to fill it, to feel that truth that maybe sometimes we don't want to look at, but that we know is still there. And in that we have comfort. In that, we know that today is a good Friday. In that, we receive the water of life that fills up our dehydrated souls. And fixes us from the inside instead of us plastering stuff on the outside. And so as we read this story, as we engage in this story again together this year, it will be shocking. It will be gruesome. There will be times that you want to turn away from it. But let that Holy Spirit work in you. And feel the tug of that truth that tugs at you even harder than that desire to look away. And rather than look away, look deeper into his love, into his promise, and into that hopeful day that we will celebrate on Sunday, and into that ultimate hopeful day that we will look forward to 
when Christ invites us all into his resurrection. Amen.